This episode is brought to you by Wild, the UK's number one natural deodorant company that focuses on performance, sustainability and style. Utilising the power of nature, they've created an effective, long-lasting deodorant that is free of aluminium and parabens, whilst also being cruelty-free and vegan. At the start of lockdown, Lauren told me she stopped wearing deodorant and wanted to find a natural deo for her bio. And we've both been using Wild for about nine months now and can confirm that their natural eco-friendly deodorants not only smell heavenly, but genuinely work. It's a solid reco. And it's such a genius concept to reduce plastic in your everyday routine, because once you've ordered your aluminium case, your refills are delivered straight to your door in biodegradable and recyclable packaging. It's super convenient. There's a flexible subscription option or you can purchase as one offs and you can fully customize your order selecting the scents you love. I'm currently using jasmine and mandarin blossom, which smells so fresh and floral. And just in time for the summer holidays, they've also released a mini deodorant about the size of a chapstick, which will be perfect for traveling. So say goodbye to the days of throwaway bathroom products and invite some natural and sustainable solutions into your everyday routine. Head on over to wearewild.com and use code BOOKS for 15% off at checkout. That's wearewild.com and use code BOOKS. For every deodorant they sell, they will contribute a percentage of sales to climate charity on a mission to support their incredible reforestation projects. Thank you, Wild. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. As mentioned on our Instagram this week, we are going to spend all month long celebrating International Women's Day by only giving recos for books written by women. We did it last year and we had such a good time. And what better way to kick off this month's podcast than by discussing feminist dystopia, having recently read Femlandia by Christina Dolce. Happy International Women's Month, Jess. I am so excited about this month. Last March was just like so epic for reading. Oh my God, I couldn't agree more. And I'm so excited by the books we've got lined up to read this month as well. Oh my God. And do you remember how so many of our buddy read pictures from last year had to be taken outdoors because of the lockdown so we could only see each other on walks? And I look, I, I do remember, Laura, because I regularly look back on them and think, why the fuck did I try and tie them in with going for a run with my family? <laughs> like in all of them, I've either got greasy French plaits or greasy hair yes. hidden behind a hairband. Like, why did I do that? <laughs> it was so good. Um, but moving on to today's episode, we're looking at feminist dystopia. And I know you've been dying to talk about dystopians for a little while now, Jess. It's just the best. I just love a dystopian. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, let's get into our first Women's History Month recommendation. Femlandia. Why did I say recommendation? I usually say reco. Ooh. Femlandia. Yeah, I know. Rogue. <laughs> Femlandia by Christina Dolce. I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this one, Lauren, because we haven't talked about this no. yet. Actually, only finished it yesterday. Same. Um, yeah. So before we do, Lauren, would you please drop the <laughs> synopsis? 
Miranda Reynolds always thought she would rather die than live in Femlandia, but that was before the country sank into total economic collapse and her husband walked out in the harshest, most permanent way, leaving her and her 16-year-old daughter with nothing. The streets are full of looting, robbing and killing, and Miranda and Emma have no longer have any choice, either starve and risk getting murdered or find safety. And so they set off for Femlandia, the women-only colony Miranda's mother, Wynne Summers, established decades ago. And although Wynne is no longer in the spotlight, her protégé, Jeanne Jen Jones. <laughs> I like that's, that. That's Jen, Jen. Jones. <laughs> Has taken Femlandia to new heights. The off-grid colonies are secluded, self-sufficient and thriving. And Emma is instantly enchanted by this idea of a safe haven, but something's not right. There are no men allowed in the colony, but babies are being born and they're all girls. Miranda discovers just how the all women community is capable of enduring and it leads her to question how far her mother went to create this perfect thriving horrifying society good to not well it's quite scary isn't it yeah but it tells you exactly what's going to happen it without does. spoilers it's good. Mm, yeah there are no spoilers in there mm. um jess i know you've read christina dolce's work before which we'll get onto in a minute but first impressions how did this one compare for you well it was interesting that we didn't actually get to Femlandia until page 100, mm. which I made a note of because I was like, right, I'm going to get to going to get to 100 pages and then I'm going to go and cook dinner or something. And I was like, yeah, 100. We're at Femlandia now. Um, and one of my fave things about dystopians in general that I always just find so clever is the way that you sort of land in this world. Mm. And then I love seeing how the author tells you about the rules of this place, the history of it, and and the way it comes out really naturally in the storytelling, but you totally understand it. That probably sounds really nerdy, but I find it Mm. really admirable. And it might even be one of the reasons I love dystopians because I like to analyze that sort of thing. Mm. So I was quite shocked that this one starts in a normal world um, and we see a financial crisis sort of unfurling and then we head to Femlandia. So not, not in a bad way at all. Yeah. But I noticed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we were usually already in the midst of it. Mm. Um, what about you? What was your first impression? Interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Um, I guess because I've not read as many dystopias as you dystopian books as you have. Uh, but I really liked it. I have to say I found the opening a little bit confusing just to understand when um, a chapter was set in the past, when it was in the present, and how each of the characters in those chapters are related to each other. Mm. But after a while, it, it did obviously all become clearer and I, I got really hooked. And I think the reason I love reading dystopian so much is because more so than any other genre, they really put you into the character's shoes. So throughout the whole book, you're constantly asking yourself, what would I do in this situation? And especially when Miranda and Emma enter Femlandia and all of like the moral and ethical dilemmas they're faced with inside that sort of microcosm of society. It, I, yeah, I loved it. And I, I just found myself, the whole time thinking oh god what would I do in this situation and they were it's a tough one yeah I don't think I asked myself that I think I just sort of thought what would this like I was thinking about it in my life but in terms Mm. of oh I wonder if this was a thing what like people would think about it on social media 
would everyone yeah. be like this is absolutely nuts or would they want to go yeah like, because it's working I, out. I agree because I think what makes this unique is Miranda obviously her mum created Femlandia and when her mum created it she was like this is absolutely nuts but then it when the whole world collapsed and there was no, uh, that was the only safe space to go to. She went there. So it's like, would you like what? Yeah. Would you have gone it given the same scenario? Yeah. I mean, if, if the world was going to shit and you knew there was a place where it wasn't, you yeah. probably would, or you thought it wasn't. Yeah. You'd go. Um, yeah. Mm. Good, good one. And it's also, the book is so rooted in gender quite obviously because Femlandia is a space only for women. Um, and I thought it was interesting how the author mentioned how it was only for women who are born with female anatomy as well. Mm. So there was like no room in their eyes for any, you know, anyone who identifies as a woman as well, which I thought was obviously I totally disagreed with, but this whole, like the whole community itself was so, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I think I know, like they are so anti-man yeah. that it's not just like, oh, I want to go and hang out with women because I just get on better yeah. with them and I feel safer with women. They hate men. Yes. And so like, I mean, Emma um not Emma sorry well kind of Emma but I mean mean Miranda her Mm. husband leaves her and like massively screws her over she doesn't Mm. hate men she doesn't really hate her husband because she shares a lot of happy memories with him she's really angry at what he's done but she doesn't go to Femlandia because now she hates men like everyone else there exactly you can acknowledge that it's this that you know specific men and do bad things and that I think that's the difference that they're so um like far gone in their view yeah that they do these like horrendous checks on people when they arrived from Landia to check that they're not what, what ge- um, gender they were born with and whatever yeah and I guess it means that as soon as you arrive in Femlandia with Miranda and Emma you're like oh okay this is this is kind of military like mm. this isn't just a really fluid safe space with no rules there are very clearly rules and a criteria to being here absolutely couldn't agree more and there were things there were like points where Miranda you know, because it's all from her point of view, where you're like, she is almost like trying to convince herself to adopt the mindset of everybody else in this community because she desperately wants this to be the safe haven for her and her daughter. So there are some chapters where she starts like going on a rampage about how much uh, she, she, or like trying to convince herself that she hates men. But then like you say, that those thoughts are interspersed with thoughts of her husband Nick and although he did this horrible thing she can't make herself hate him yeah um so that whole I just thought that was fascinating to see that play out I also thought it was really interesting to see like the relationships between mother and daughter over generations um Mm -hmm. on on page and like how they differ how they are how they're quite similar how Miranda at some points was making the same mistakes as maybe her mother made, but she couldn't see them for what they are. And um, it may, it raised a lot of questions around women's choice and, and where you draw your own 
line or your own moral compass on on your stance for on abortion as well yeah anyways I loved it I just I I do think the ending was a little bit rushed I would have liked for it to have gone on a little bit longer um so I could have been really immersed in the world that is okay. very interesting and is actually a perfect segue for me to talk about her other book, Vox, because okay. I felt the ending of Vox was rushed. And um, and I didn't read her book, that I think it's called Q, because one of my friends was like, the ending was a bit rushed. So I was like, oh, is this just a thing? <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, so Vox, the reason I was particularly keen to read Femlandia is because I highly enjoyed Vox. I realized I started off not selling it, but I did really enjoy it. I whizzed through it with great plot, great characters, great short chapters. Um, But it is another feminist dystopian uh, where women are only allowed to say 100 words a day. Um, And I'm going to drop a little revised synopsis that I think I I summarized the book really well in just a few words here. Um, So in America, the women have bracelets, I'm doing like quotation marks, Mm -hmm slapped onto their wrists, which count how many words they speak, so they do not exceed 100 words a day. Dr. Jean McClellan sits in frustrating silence while her husband and sons talk over one another at the dinner table. And that is until an unusual circumstance requires her to return back to work. Could this be the perfect opportunity to fight back? And I love the premise. And it's like a lot of feminist dystopian or just fem, you know, women in general are silenced. And this in this book, they are physically silenced mm. with a hundred words a day. And it just, I thought it was really clever the way that um the author pointed out little things that I maybe hadn't thought of. So she has a daughter, and it makes you think about like, oh, well, how soon into their lives do, do they get limited yeah. to words? She can't even like read her children bedtime stories because she hasn't got enough words. So it almost means that like she's not the the loving parent yeah. that she wants to be and like her parents her kids maybe don't have as good a relationship with her because they literally can't because she can't talk to can't them. talk to them. um what happens if you go over your limit do you phys- you're not able to talk or you get buzzed or what you get buzzed yeah yeah, yeah nice. that's what the bracelets are for and she like the characters really cross that everyone keeps calling them bracelets She's like, these are not a nice bit of jewelry yeah and they're like trying to sell them to the kids and like different colors and whatever she's like oh my god we're being strapped and like there is a scene where she has to exceed 100 words because there's like an emergency so you see you see what happens um but yeah I just thought it was really clever how we hear about it from lots of different elements and like we hear she um she starts to like dislike her son because her son is like turning into like he agrees with it all and blah 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 and she's like oh interesting she's like what a dish (laughs) <laughs> That's quite similar then in Femlandia because oh, yeah, there yeah. is a point where she almost like disagrees, which Miranda disagrees with Emma. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's really clever. So she then gets given this sort of opportunity to go back to work and as a result can say more than 100 words a day because she needs to for this job. Um, and so she's using it to her advantage. But then I was like, oh, I'm out of the hundred words thing. Like I would have liked to dive into that a bit more, see a few more everyday situations or, or maybe some more emergencies. So I was sad at the loss of that, but you know, it's exciting where the story goes. And what's the reason behind it? Why can't the women 
Can't remember, Lauren. Okay. It's man, just like a government Man comes thing. into rule. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Um, but my main comparison <laughs> between Vox and Femlandia are the mention of chimps and gorillas. <laughs> so towards the ending of Vox, I'm not going to ruin anything. There is testing happening on some sort of primate. And it really stayed with me because I was like, this is rogue. Get me back to the hundred words a day thing. Like, where is this story gone that we're suddenly on, yeah. on this sort of side of it? And I guess when you create a world, there is so much to explore. And so she's like picking up on certain things. Yeah. So I, I would have loved a series of books. Um, mm. But anyway, so then Miranda in Femlandia, her character um, before the world went to shit, she worked with gorillas. Yeah, and I was like, them sign does language, didn't Christina Doucher have a background working with primates? Like two <laughs> books now. And I was supposed to look it up and I haven't. So if anyone <laughs> has looked that up and drawn that same comparison. She clearly is fascinated by that as a concept. Yeah. Interesting. Because I did wonder why, because obviously an author makes all of the decisions in their books on purpose so when Miranda is introduced to somebody who talks can help gorillas to communicate I was like well obviously this is going to come into the book at some point and this is going to be a skill that she's going to have to need at some point so and I won't give a spoiler on whether or not that does actually happen but yeah she she had maybe that's like when she finished Vox she was like oh and that's what inspired her to write the next book mm, maybe. she was like I'm know. not done with primates I'm She's coming clearly back to not. you she's got some unfinished business yeah um interesting so what did you prefer Vox or Femlandia I preferred Vox I think I just preferred the premise and like it was a little bit more creative and it felt more like a totally different world whereas Femlandia is like a normal world where there's this little like cult yeah within it yeah yeah true yeah um right so before we go any further we have to talk about a feminist dystopian book we've both read which is the handmaid's tale by margaret atwood and jess i counted this and we read it 10 years ago Fuck me this is like when you turned 28 and you were like jess 10 years ago on this day we were Queuing up outside Trinity. (laughs) Absolutely mad. Oh my God. All right. Lauren, drop the snot, would you? I'm sure everyone knows, but we got to we gotta follow the format. And I'm just gonna sit here thinking about how old we are. Offred is a handmaid in the Republic of Gilead. She may leave the home of the commander and his wife once a day to walk to food markets whose signs are now pictures instead of words because women are no longer allowed to read. She must lie on her back once a month and pray that the commander makes her pregnant because in an age of declining births, Offred and the other handmaids are valued only in their if their ovaries are viable. Offred can remember the years before when she lived and made love with her husband, Luke, when she played with and protected her daughter, when she had a job, money of her own and access to knowledge. But all of that is gone now. I really struggle to think about the book now, having watched the series. Like, I find it really hard to remember what actually happens in the book and what they made up for yeah. the series because so much happened in the series and obviously I've been watching it way more recently that I like mm. don't remember what was true in the original book <laughs> have you um have you watched the series I don't think we've talked about it um yes but I think I'm the only one who didn't like the series like I 
I know you got you got hooked on it and you like get really excited every time there's a new one out but I just couldn't get into it for some reason and I think I watched like series one didn't love it and then I just stopped but I loved the book and I do think Margaret Atwood is like the queen of the dystopia she's got a new book coming out is it next Mm. month this month maybe burning lines or something um and I would actually quite like to reread A Handmaid's Tale and I might even have my annotated A-level version like around somewhere yeah I do so I do love the series but it is so frustrating like come on June and (laughs) like it's so emotional and dark and really cleverly done. Mm. But I do have to say that the last series, I fast forwarded a lot because it just seemed to be a lot of like breathing and staring and not a lot of dialogue. And I was getting through, I was I was actually shaving off 15 minutes of episodes by fast forwarding those bits. I was like, come on. I love need, that about need- you. <laughs> I would never be able to do that. I'd get frustrated, but I would never, I'd be too scared to fast forward in case I miss something really <laughs> crucial. There's a lot of it. Oh, you you wouldn't miss it, don't worry. <laughs> I feel like you do that with books as well. You're like, sometimes you're like, nah, I don't need to. Oh, read I bit. don't read dream scenes. <laughs> I don't need to know what's going on in your dream. Like it's, it's not happening in real life. It might have some relevance to the plot though. Like, do you know what? I've made it this thoughts. far and it doesn't. And actually do now, I'm, now I'm like, saying this out really loud. Weird... Yeah, go on. This is, so my mum, she goes, I don't do dream stories. Like if you try and tell her what you dreamt about last night, she's like, I don't do dream stories. And now I'm my mother. Oh my God, you really are. <laughs> Surely there's other people out there that are like, oh, it's a dream. Skip. No, I don't ever skip any parts of books. Because um, there's, there's always worry. I'm always worried like, oh, I might miss something really important. And do you know what? Do you know a book where dreams where dreams are important is Behind Her Eyes? Because it's all about like being awake while you sleep. So don't skip the dreams. <laughs> um, but any other book so far, I've made it and I'm fine. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, anyway, back to Handmade. <laughs> I was absolutely buzzing when the testaments was released a few years ago um so the testaments is like a sequel to that makes tale um it's set about 20-ish years later and i think it definitely added to my confusion about what happens in handmaid's tale the book versus the series because there are characters in the testaments who weren't in the first book so margaret atwood's been Ooh. watching the series i mean i'm sure she's involved in the series yeah <laughs> and has then written those characters into her sequel oh my goodness yeah have you maybe read, she you haven't read play. it no I've not read it no, no. okay I really well, want to I don't know why I didn't read it to be honest you can borrow mine um but I'm potentially not about to sell it to you because I really enjoyed reading it and sped through it and I loved being mm. like back in the world of reading about Gilead but um I guessed the big plot twist within like two chapters and I also guessed a few other things oh, about really? the characters were yeah that was a shame for me that's a shame yeah but I did enjoy it happy for you happy for you um I've got another dystopian reco and I'm going to take us back to a book I read in 2020 Mm. and it has very similar vibes to Handmaid's Tale in my opinion and it's The Farm by Joanne Ramos so quick synop 
Jane is an immigrant from the Philippines and she's a single mother who's struggling to put food on the table for her newborn baby. But Jane's world spins on its head when she learns she has been accepted into a highly competitive scheme to support the uber rich. In exchange for a life changing amount of money, Jane must play surrogate for another woman's baby in an environment where each and every one of her movements are meticulously tracked and controlled. She cannot leave or see her child until her pregnancy is complete. So that is similar, very similar, crazy premise, but it's set in like today's society. So mm-hmm. Handmaid's Tale is set in like a dystopian world where, you know, that's just the norm and it's happening above, above radar. This explores that similar concept, but in, you know, secret circles and it's mm. only to benefit the uber, uber, uber rich people of the world. Um, and it's like happening like under the radar. Um, and I just thought it was fascinating. It's a really short book. Um, and it explores like race, motherhood, class. And it's how like those three criterias combined can be used to exploit and like manipulate anybody. Um, and it's like where it all happens is this place called The Farm. And um all of the characters, all of the women in the farm are carrying another woman's baby, but for very different reasons. Um, And I just thought, yeah, it was really, I just thought it was a fascinating concept. I thought some parts were quite slow and I'd read like maybe one chapter and be like, well, we didn't need to like know that. Um, Like a dream scene. (laughs) (laughs) But the characterization was brilliant and there were lots of different perspectives of different kinds of women from different backgrounds um so yeah I just I I loved it I think I gave it like four stars oh lovely Mm. oh yeah I don't remember I don't think we've ever spoken about that book but I remember your picture had like sunflowers sunflowers yes that stays with me (laughs) the cover is yellow (laughs) (laughs) um so let's go on to the next book and that is The Power by Naomi Alderman. And Jess, firstly, do you remember why we had to buddy read The Power? (laughs) Yes. How could I ever forget? (laughs) So HMV did this wonderful deal of two paperbacks for £6 online. That might still exist. I haven't checked, so go and have a look. Um, Because there's loads of books on there. But I sent it to Lauren and said, oh, you wanted to read The Power and it's in this deal. So she (laughs) bought it and to make the most of the deal, she also bought some other books that like she didn't need. And then she realized that she actually had a copy already (laughs) that she'd already bought that she wanted. And that's why she wanted to read it. So she lent me one for a buddy read. (laughs) Honestly, I scare myself sometimes with my (laughs) awful memory. Um, So I love, I love the synopsis of this book. So it's, Imagine a scenario where one day teenage girls around the world wake up with immense new physical abilities. Their new powers are like electricity coursing through their veins and suddenly they are the dominant gender, able to inflict pain and even death through their fingertips. With this small twist in nature, the world as we know it is flipped on its head and women reign. Ooh, it's a good snot. It is like just that premise. I think yeah. that's what's so incredible about dystopian books. Like these envisioned new worlds yeah. are just so you're like, oh, 
wow you're like in awe of them that's yeah. why like there are sometimes I'll read a dystopia and I'm like oh this is so good because of the premise and then actually I'm like you know what poorly executed that's a shame mm, to totally the idea is so creative but um this one was done very well as well good characters that sort of were able to show off a real range of the dystopian worlds um yeah similarly to Femlandia I would have liked more of this book like I could yeah. have read 600 pages instead of it's like short 300 um and maybe that's because like because it's short you know she was mm. she, maybe she wanted to write 300 pages um but it's got four people's perspective so there was a lot to, to yeah. cover and ultimately this is not meant to be an easy read we aren't meant to like fall in love with the characters it's written yeah. to challenge our own ingrained gender stereotypes and biases yeah I agree and I mean the premise alone was brilliant like but no one really I was thinking back and I thought it was interesting that the women who wake up with this new power this physical power none of them use it for good they're all using it you've got like um a priest or the head of like a mafia like everyone and like a woman who's like in a political role and they're all using their powers to like pursue their own agendas which I thought was quite interesting because I think that's her way of interpreting like well if it was you know in this flipped reality would women be just as um just as likely to use their power to to pursue their own political agendas or their own agendas in the same way that men have been doing for millennia yeah yeah and what I thought was really interesting is that they're um one of the perspectives we follow is actually a man yeah which I thought was a really good idea yeah um it's a very good book I can see that it wouldn't be some people's cup of tea because it is Although you fully understand it, it does feel kind of top line. Mm. Um, but it's, it's very clever. And um, I love the notes at the beginning and at the end of this book, uh, which are letters to and from the author and their publisher. And I remember we were like, what the fuck is this, going on is this real? Like, who is the author? <laughs> like, we had to look into it. Um, but my favourite line of the whole book was a letter at the end, which was... Um, Neil, I know this might be very distasteful for you, but have you considered publishing this book under a woman's name? Ooh. <laughs> and because it's in this new world where yes. women have all the power, they flipped what we all know used to happen where women and had... still does happen. Well, yeah. Um, oh, I love that. And actually, I'm going to find my favourite quote as well. Um, I think I've tabbed it. Yeah, it's this one. It's, that's the tri- trouble with history. You can't see what's not there. You can look at empty space and see that something's missing, but there's no way to know what was. It just made me like really think about our own understanding of history and it's all on just what somebody's recorded. And mostly history has been recorded by men. So a lot of women's history has just been lost over um, centuries. So I just thought, yeah, that was lovely. That that. that circles back to Femlandia and that they don't read Shakespeare or yes. any they only learn about women Male and writers. read books by women and um so this this book is, is like it kind of is like a well it turns into a war 
basically yeah, and that's what we follow the the, the journalist character who I said was a man um he's you know uncovering the war and I it may talk about it now I've just thought like I wonder how we would feel reading this book with everything that's going on in Ukraine at the moment like would mm. would we even be able to read it I feel like we wouldn't get the same enjoyment we did because it might just feel too real yeah I agree and on that note our thoughts with everyone around the world who is being impacted by the war in Ukraine at the moment and it's absolutely horrific and heartbreaking there's no other words for it yeah and you know we're kicking off women's history month and we're so excited about it but with you know it's women's history month and the history tells us that women in particular are always more impacted by conflict so our thoughts are especially with them right now We're giving you a chance to win a March Books That Matter box, which includes a paperback copy of Women and Soul by Gabriella Garcia and a gorgeous hardback notebook, some vegan treats and a beautifully scented uh, wax belt. There are two ways to enter. If, like me, you listen on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, leave a rating and review and use your Instagram handle as your nickname on the review. Or if, like me, you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, then follow the podcast on that platform and share a screenshot on your Instagram story tagging at BookRecords so you can count your entry that way. Entries for the March box close on Monday the 28th of March and the winner will be announced on our Instagram on Wednesday the 30th of March. If you're listening to this at a later date, then don't worry, it's a monthly competition, so still enter and we'll count your entry towards whatever box it is at the time. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.